I'll praise the Lord. Give him another big hand clap of praise if you're excited to be here. We are in the house of the living God tonight. Hallelujah. No better place than to be than where we're right here tonight in his presence. Praise the name of the Lord. I don't plan on being long tonight. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I know I get it. Sometimes if you want to amen, you just got to say certain things. <laughs> but I want to start out with this scripture to open up with. Let us not be weary and well-doing. For in due season we shall reap. I don't know about you, but I think it's about time for the church to start reaping what we've sown. Come on, somebody. For we shall reap if we faint not. Father, we come to you not in the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord. And we come to you, Father, Lord, as your vessels, as your servants, humbly before you, before our righteous God, Lord, asking you, Father, to speak to our lives tonight. Touch us with your presence, God, Lord. We depend on you. We're dependent upon you because you are our Father, our Heavenly Father. And tonight, I know it's your desire, God, Lord, to give good things to your people. And, Father, we come tonight as a body coming to receive that which you have planned for this hour. And we give you praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Now, we all know that every single one of us have been uniquely created by God. We're unique individuals. There's not two of us the same. We all got a different DNA. There's none of us just alike each other. But we have so much in common, though, as humans to be created so differently. We are all created by God. We are all birthed by a mother. If they told you you were hatched or they found you under a rock, they lied to you. We all have trials and struggles. The Bible declares we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all bleed. And tonight, I want to speak on something else we all have in common. Therefore, we all have this in common, so there's not a one person in this room tonight this message is not for. And that is that we all get tired, whether it's physically, emotionally, or even spiritually. And without regaining our strength on a daily basis, will not survive. We will faint and we will not reap. God's wanting to strengthen his church because God is very aware of the burdens we have here on earth. At this hour, he knows the endurance it takes to serve him. And he has given me an assignment tonight to invite or actually the word he used was for me to compel you to meet with him tonight. That God wants to have a moment with you. And the word compel means to make you aware of the importance of meeting with him. And that's my assignment. No one in here is exempt from the invitation. God's not a respecter of persons. So first I must let you know why he wants to meet with you. He watches over his people. He's always interested in our well-being. He knows right where you're at tonight and what you're going through. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you're fighting for. He knows what you're worrying over. He knows what's weighing you down. He sees you, and he sees you unlike others see you because he sees inside of you. He knows your thoughts. He knows what's going on in each of our minds. 
He sees your heart. He knows your pains. He knows your ways. He knows your tomorrow today. He knows in such detail down to knowing every strand of hair on your head. He keeps counting to them. He knows things about you that no one else knows about you. Things that no one else there may never know, including maybe even your spouse. See, we can keep things from others. There's those things we try to work out ourselves. We don't have to, but we choose to. Even at times, excluding God's help. But he knows about those things he's all-knowing. He wants to be your very present help in times of your trouble because he's a burden bearer. And tonight he wants to help you lift those burdens off and to take the weight off of you. And he wants to lighten your load and renew your strength before you faint. So let me do my part for a moment and then I'm going to turn over to God and it'll be between you and him then. Turn your Bibles, you have them, to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36, two passages of scripture. And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as the sheep having no shepherd. This passage is talking of a time in history and of the things in which Jesus witnessed upon the earth during his earthly ministry. Unbelievably, it still speaks of a time now of what Jesus witnesses upon the earth that he can still see today. He saw it then, and he sees it now. He sees you. I can't help but believe as the Holy Spirit moves upon this earth today, as he moves in our nation from city to city, with what is going on in our nation, he would still see today what he saw back then. He would still see multitudes of people who are fainted, scattered abroad as sheep with no shepherd. And as he visits even the churches, he witnesses people who are tired and they're weary and they're battle-torn. And perhaps maybe even many believers who are tired and well-doing. I make my point tonight on the thought that he was moved with compassion upon them because they were fainted. They fainted. There's a lot of people who fainted, and there's a lot more who are about to. He noted in this scripture there was a multitude of them. And the word multitude, of course, means a great number of people. There weren't just a few of them. So we're talking about a big issue involving his people then, and a big issue that's still involving his people today. The Bible says they fainted. To be fainted means grown weary. They're tired whether physically, spiritually, or emotionally. And in this pressure cooker we're in as a society where multitudes of people have fainted, doing so because they done forgot about the power of the anointing, the need of spiritual renewal so they can stay strong. They forgot about the importance of the anointing. They have forgotten about the difference that the anointing makes. Even for some, they don't even know the anointed one. The fainted means they're just existing. They're having trouble even breathing. Their hearts are panting. Their minds are consumed. Fear is a factor and burdened is a fact. Let us pray. I want to pray again. This time, I want you to raise your hand as in to surrender, saying, God, I want to hear your word 
and I will receive everything that you got for me tonight. Father, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Father. Father, I pray tonight, God, that you minister to the fainted, to the weary, to the tired. Let there be a refreshing of your spirit upon this congregation as we now move forward in your word, Father. As we hear from you tonight, dear God, of the importance of this moment, of this hour, God, let us be willing, God, Lord, to submit to your word and receive your promises. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let me begin by saying also, it's okay to become tired, to go weary, to end up fainted. It's not sinful to become tired. When day after day you're dealing with life issues, you're dealing with the lives of real people. It's normal to become weary when dealing with family issues, with tragedies involving loved ones, business issues, marital struggles, with black backslidden kids. They're not just things you can throw under the rug and avoid and try to be like a robot and think nothing about it and put on a fake smile and drag yourself through life. No, not if you have compassion for them. There's going to be sleepless nights, long hours of prayer, nights of worry, working overtime, times of no appetite, times you just want to be alone to rest. It's okay when dealing with life issues to be overwhelmed by feelings and emotions and compassion because it breaks our hearts when we have invested in people's lives and we see that they're hurting or they're failing. It breaks our hearts when we have to bury people we love. We're devastated when we're betrayed by those we love. We have the wind knocked out of us when, we're, when we see our children failing. It's okay to get up, but you have to lay back down in the comfort of the Holy Ghost until he gives you the strength to get back up to make it through another day. Now, I know I've got some witnesses to this in here. It's okay to lean on the Holy Ghost. It's okay to need God to wrap his arms around you and need him to tell you one more time, you're going to make it, son. It's okay to believe you can't make it without him. It's okay to believe that without him you can do nothing because you're too weak. You fainted under the pressures of life. Church, life is real. I said it's real. And God's not just talking to them. He's talking to you. Until we get real about how we really feel, we can't get no help. And we're about to faint. You're feeling like you can't tell nobody. You can't tell nobody you're having a moment that you're about to faint, that you're about to quit, that you're about to lose control. You feel it's even shameful to admit it. You done told self, just one more thing and I'm done. So you got to keep your smile up. You got to keep showing up. I can't be looking weak. I will lose my religious status, my place on the board or my, my spot on the council or my influence in the ministry i got to look strong even if I'm dying on the inside. But that's what's wrong with positions. They often hold you hostage. They place restraints and then do pressure on your life. It can get lonely at the top. The higher up you go, the, longer, the lonelier it gets. Because too much is given, much is required. You can't show emotions. You can't let them see you sweat. You often can't be you. So when real stuff shows up, and you got to be real. It's quite a task to keep it all together. Because if you don't, folks will be saying, you ain't real. Because you ain't who you appeared to be. It's a challenge to go to work 
and act like everything's okay at home when it isn't. To wake up and put your face on, drive to work and sit at your desk and greet everyone with a good morning and a smile and tell them thank you and have a good day when you're having the worst week of your life. It's a challenge to walk in here on Sunday and restrain yourself from breaking down in front of folks because they just might find out that you bleed just like they do and that you have troubles just like they do. But I've come to tell you, it's okay to become weary in well-doing. Can we all get real? It would sure help some other folks who are struggling with believing they're the only ones who have ever struggled, the only ones that have ever been through what they're going through. Let them know they're not the only one who's ever had kids rebelling. Let them know they're not the only ones who had issues in their marriage. Let them know they're not the only ones who ever thought about giving up. If they only knew it happened to you too, maybe they would reach out to you for help instead of fainting all alone. There's nothing worse than being in trouble all alone, thinking no one cares. The condemnations, the intimidation will wear you down. And I came tonight knowing by the Spirit of God, everything's not all right in your life. And I've come to ministry by the Holy Ghost. If we can just get honest with tonight with God, God's going to send a refreshing in this place to revive your spirit and to renew your strength. He knows you're weary in your marriage. He knows you're weary in your job. He knows you're weary with your kids, weary with your sickness, with your pain in your body, with the caregiving, with the parenting, with real life issues. And you're trying with everything within you to keep your smile, to keep your head up, to keep your attitude in check, to pay your bills. But honestly, you're at the tipping point of fainting. And there's not just a few. There is a multitude. And Jesus sees you and all that you're going through. And tonight he has compassion on you and he wants to strengthen you. He wants to heal you of your physical issues and your emotional issues and your spiritual issues. The Holy Ghost is going from city to city at this hour in our time of need. He's being our very present help in times of our troubles. And the Holy Ghost says, if they will admit that they're tired and come unto me, I will send a comforting spirit to rest upon their hearts and their minds, giving them peace through their storms and the trials of their lives. If they will call up me, I will answer them with fire. Too many people feel guilty to admit they're tired. Afraid to admit I'm waking up later than normal because I'm tired. Feeling guilty to say, I need a day of rest. Feeling guilty to say, I need a break from my kids because of the weight of motherhood. I need a weekend off to clear their minds. When they call to ask you to go, you can't tell them no. When down deep inside of you, you're too tired to go, so what do you do? You drag yourself along. When they call to ask you to do something, you can't tell them no because you're tired to do it, too tired to do it, so you do it anyway. You drag yourself through the process, and when it's over, you go home to crash all by yourself. You get so tired. You get to where you don't answer the phone from certain people. You know I'm telling the truth. It's not that you don't love them or don't care, but you just can't deal with no one right now. You just need some me time. So you prepare an excuse before they call again and, you ask to, and they ask you to do something or to go somewhere. Anybody in here ever been there? It's not that you don't want to. You're just too tired to. 
In other words, you're fainted, you're weary. And some of you are here tonight simply because you know it's the right thing to do. Yet it took everything within you to get you through those doors. You really would have just liked to have stayed home, but you came here tonight. I want to tell you, not by your own strength, but I believe by the Spirit of God who carried you here to receive a refreshing to meet with him tonight. He wants a moment with you. You're so weary, you don't even have the words to say when you pray anymore. Too many times you find yourself just kneeling down with nothing to say. You're just going through the motions and you feel guilty about it. You used to be involved in intercessory prayer. But your own life struggles got so heavy, it's all you can do to pray for yourself. It's condemning to you. You see other folks seem to get it all together and seem to never be going through anything. And it's intimidating you. What's happening? It's been too long since you've had a refreshing of God's anointing. You're saying, I don't feel God anymore. You've done forgotten how it feels to feel God. It's been so long since you felt what you felt that day he took your burdens away. You've lost the freshness of his anointing. You're trying to go it alone. I ask you, have you forgotten what the power of his anointing can do? What one moment in the presence of God can do for you? Even if it doesn't change your situation, it can change you in your situation. It can give you the strength to endure, to overcome, give you peace through your storm, hope in your hopeless situation. You've been so caught up in doing, and what you've been doing has been so honorable, but in your busyness, you have forgotten to take time to be refreshed, to spend time in his presence. Jesus would go from city to city, preaching and teaching and healing, and there are times he would grow weary, and he would go off to himself to be alone with God. And God would minister to him in a way that would strengthen him for another day. He would go and cast his cares upon his father. It was like when he ran out of gas, he'd go to the filling station to be refueled. And too many have lost sight of it's the anointing that breaks the yokes. For too many, the cares of life have choked you out. You've been carrying a load a long time. It seems endless at times. The burdens of the world and those you love are upon you. But there is a burden bearer who says this night, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. You become scattered and battle torn and worn. But tonight he says, I have come to give you life, to visit you, to restore you back to you what the canker worm has stolen from you. I've come to break you out of your spiritual prisons with my anointing. Have you forgotten I can do exceedingly, abundantly above anything you're even able to ask or think? Have you forgotten that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Be not weary and well-doing, for you shall reap if you faint not. Come unto me, you, to me, all you that are heavy laden and burdened, and I shall give you rest. Have you forgotten what his anointing can do? You know, I can so vividly remember being saved 26 years ago. I can recall the first times I experienced his anointing and the difference that it made in my life and those around me. And many of you can too. I, I can remember things that God worked through me to do to you, and used me to do. I can remember the freshness of the anointing. I can remember how 
the zeal that I had, how excited I was to help others. One of the first battles that I endured, spiritually, I felt like, I had a friend that worked for me at the grocery store. He was my meat manager. We were friends. It seemed like until I got saved. And then after I got saved, it seemed like all of a sudden I had that enemy all of a sudden. It's like we didn't gel no more. He began to attack me, I felt like, personally, attack my, attack my salvation, attack my decision that I made to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ and to change my life. Him and his wife were not Christians at all. They didn't even, they claimed they didn't believe. His wife claimed to be an atheist. He claimed to believe in the black hole theory. And, and here I am, a young Christian, and I'm studying the Word of God, and but Don would attack me with things and ask me questions about God. And being a young Christian, often I wouldn't have the answer. But one thing I would do, I'd run home that night. I'd spend my time in the Word of God and praying. I'd find an answer to return back to him the next day to give him an answer to his questions. And I did this over and I did this over and I did this over and over again. And it really does seem like we began to grow wider and wider apart to where maybe sometimes we could have conversations. He'd ask me about the, the hardest questions, guys. What about them dinosaurs? And I mean, questions like, what? And I'd be, well, I'm going to go study. And I'd come back with these answers. But the whole time I was doing this, I thought, what is wrong with this man? Why am I being attacked? Here I am on fire for God. I got this zeal. It feels so good. And so I began to pray. And God showed me something. Well, one day, Don had a situation and a problem in his life. He had a granddaughter. And the granddaughter got a bad diagnosis that day. His daughter had called him at work. He said, I got to leave. My granddaughter just told me that she's got water in her brain. They're flying her out on a flight to St. Louis. I got to rush and be there. I said, you go. You go now. Well, me and Helen, the woman I spoke about for at the, at the store, we got together and we went to my office, and we prayed for his granddaughter. Well, little did we know, there was a bathroom right behind my office. My office didn't even have a ceiling. And there was a bathroom behind it. Little did we know, before Don left, he went to the bathroom. And while in the bathroom, he heard us praying for his granddaughter. And Don had left that day. The next morning, we opened the store at 6 o'clock, bright and early. Don walks into my office, walks in there, standing in front of me, hands in his pockets, he always stood like this. I thought, here we go. Tears rolling down his eyes. He goes, I went to St. Louis. I seen the x-ray before we left. I seen what they were talking about. And we got to St. Louis, and we get to St. Louis, they act like we don't know what we're talking about because there's no water in the brain anymore. And he said, Randy, I got to tell you something. The only thing I know is I heard you all praying yesterday for God to heal my granddaughter. And, uh, it's, you know, I've, I, I, I've, I've been wrestling with you a lot over this stuff. But he said, you know what, I just got to tell you something. That night I walked into my granddaughter's room. I tucked her into bed. Kissed her goodnight, and then I kneeled down by her bed, and I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. 
And I asked Don later, Don, why was he so hard on me? So remember this, if you ever have somebody's hard on you, remember this. Because I thought he was just being, didn't want to be my friend no more. He said, because I wanted answers to questions that I had, and I didn't know how to ask you. I wasn't just going to say, who is this Jesus? Would you tell me about Jesus? He said, so I just attacked you with those questions. And you always gave me an answer. To the point today, I was able to believe everything you said. And you know what? That's what I'm talking about. Those are the times I remember the anointing. I remember how fresh it was. I remember how the strength that it gave me. I can still remember what it was like to uh, go and see a young girl at the hospital who had cancer. And I went there that day, and she was sitting there, and her mom was standing beside her. And, and she said, they just got the report that she now has cancer. And I said, well, honey, I'm worried about your cancer, but I'm worried about your soul more than I am your cancer. You give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, God can take care of your cancer. I said, do you want to pray? She said, yes. And we prayed, and she gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ. And when we got praying, I look over, and Mama's over there praying, crying. crying. I'm like, uh, I must have just offended her. No. She goes, No. I prayed too, and she got saved. I know what it's like to feel the freshness of the anointing. I remember working at the store one day, and I had a salesman. I had a lot of ministry when I was in the grocery business, I'm just telling you. A salesman comes in. He's of the Baptist faith, and he catches me. Can I talk to you over here for a minute? I said, sure. He goes, you know where I go to church? I said, yeah, I sure do. He goes, you know, we don't believe in healing. I said, yeah, sadly, I know that. He goes, but my daughter... It's got a bad report. She said, would you pray with me? Because I know you believe in healing. I said, I sure will. I mean, Orville, we grabbed hands and we prayed. Two days later, here came Orville. High stepping in the store. She's okay. I remember what it was like to feel the anointing, to be on fire for God. I remember those times. I remember what it felt like to pray and someone get healed by the power of the anointing. And I'm so many other wonderful times, but I also know through the 26 years of serving God, the weightiness of his glory, the battle fatigue of ministry, the assaults, the warfare. I know what it feels like when all hell comes against your family, when it's one thing after another. And that I've had to fight with everything that I've got. To the point I expended all my strength and I felt depleted. And even at times spiritually and physically depleted. I felt the weight of it. I have felt the burdens I have carried. And they've been so heavy. I would find it hard at times to pray because I'd prayed so hard. At, at times I didn't have much more to say that I hadn't already prayed. But I've also felt what it's like for God to show up on my behalf, and in one moment, refresh me and strengthen me to live to fight another day when I had just felt like quitting yesterday. Come on, somebody. If you haven't never felt like quitting, you haven't never done much for God. I know what it's like to fall on my knees for him and say, God, I'm done. I ain't got nothing left. And God would begin to minister to me and touch me with that anointing that I had forgotten. And now that refreshing would bring me back to life. Hallelujah. Anybody else in there ever felt that way? Have you ever had those moments with God? All hell's coming against you. You're at the end of your rope. But one moment, God shows up. 
and you find a strength you didn't even know that you had. Well, if you have, would you stand as a testimony to others that you've been there and that God has showed up on your behalf too? Could you do that tonight? Come on. Give him praise. I just wanted to show one another. We all have a lot in common. And this is one of the things we all have in common. Too often, guilt comes with fainting. You feel guilty for not praying enough. You even feel guilty for taking a day off, for not doing more, or you should have been there. You should have had more patience. You should have not given up. At times, just one overwhelming situation can literally drain you of your strength. A life-changing condition can alter your faith. A life-changing loss can lead you into oppression and depression. Real-life situations can cause you to faint. And if you think you're too strong to faint, take heed lest you fall. Thanks be unto God that the God of the mountains is still the God of the valleys. That when things go wrong, that it's his desire to show himself strong on our behalf. Why? Because when he sees his people are fainted, his compassion moves upon them. There are so many wounded people in the world. If you want to know if you're wounded, ask yourself this question. Does it still hurt to talk about it? If so, you're still wounded. And you need to be healed. Tonight would be a good night for that. You've licked that wound too long enough. It can be condemning at times to know you should get past something that you haven't. To know you should have forgiven them by now, but you haven't. You feel like you don't have the strength to because you are tired. And you're tired because you spent all your energy trying to hate someone that you used to love. Let it go. It's okay to become tired. We all have that in common. But it's not okay when you quit. There are seats that are empty in churches all across America from where people who yes, used to sit, but they fainted and then they quit. Have you ever thought about Moses when you begin to feel guilty about yourself for being tired? You know, Moses, that great man of God who walked in the glory of God, met God face to face, pinned the Ten Commandments Moses, that great man Moses that delivered the Israelites out of 400 years of Egyptian bondage, then led them across the Red Sea, parted by God on dry ground. Moses, a man of courage and faith, seeing that great man of God and how strong and anointed he was can be intimidating and even convicting upon comparison of my life unto him. But I seen Moses, that great man Moses, I seen where he got weary too. Exodus 17. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Malachites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. It verifies Moses got tired in his battles. But when Moses got tired, God didn't condemn him. No, God sent him a rock to lean on and a brother to help him hold up his hands. 
When we get tired, Jesus, the rock of our salvation, just says, lean on me. When you're not strong, I'll be your friend. <laughs> Come on. I'll help you carry on. And God will place people in your life who do care enough to help you if you'll let them. Come on. Aren't you thankful when you're tired you got a rock to lean on? Aren't you thankful you got a brother or a sister that will help you hold up your hands until the battle's over and that they won't condemn you? No, they'll have compassion on you because they've done been where you've been. The devil is a liar. There is still the anointed one who goes from city to city watching over his people. He sees his people scattered and fainted, but he's right there ready to be their rock. All folks are talking about now is what Satan is tearing down. Ain't nobody talking about what God's building up and lifting up. There's a cry of despair on one street, but yet two streets over, there's a shout of praise taking place. Folks are tired. Spiritual warfare will drain you, but there is a filling station right beside you you need to put it, pull into before you run out of gas. It'll never be shut down, nor it'll ever let you down, just waiting for you to say, Lord, fill me up again. Breathe the sound of the refreshing wind upon my life. The Holy Spirit, the comforter, is here. And if we're going to survive the demonic assaults that's invaded our nation, We'll never do it without the power of the Holy Ghost. He's not outdated. He's not antiquated. His breath is a fresh and a new. And God is sending a fresh fire with the wind of his spirit to empower the sons of God and the righteousness of God in this last day outpouring. It's going to take more than just being saved to endure the vicious, malicious attacks of our enemy. And God told me to tell the church that our silence has been a reproach to the kingdom. He's telling his church, lift up your voice with a voice of triumph and be ye filled with the Holy Ghost because there's more. There's more to this life than being beaten down, living in fear and doubt and discouragement. I bind the spirit of oppression and depression off of your life. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God is a powerful and unpredictable force. When it breathed creation into existence, man into existence. In the book of Acts, he breathed on his disciples and they received the breath of God. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And it's going to be the same spirit that's going to raise the church in these last days. When he pours out his spirit upon all flesh, because the winds of the spirit, the Holy Ghost is going to blow again. And I'm here tonight to tell the church, God's coming to breathe on the church. With this spirit, the breath of God, the Ruach. And if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you pick the right night to be here because it's your night. According to this passage of scripture, there's something about God seeing weary people that moves him to compassion. The Bible says in verse 35, he's going from city to city, preaching and teaching, and he was healing every sickness and disease. But then in verse 36, it says, when he sees the faint, the weary, he was moved with compassion upon them. When he saw the multitude of people who were following him on the journey, weary and tired and fainted, he had compassion on them. He moved from the people who needed a miracle to those who were weary and tired who were just as important to him. 
Because of the distinction he made between the weary and the sick, let me know, lets me know weariness is not a disease. It's not a sickness. It's okay to admit you're tired. You're human. Stop feeling guilty. We need rest. We need sleep. Our human bodies wear out. Our bodies are inferior compared to our makers, who is a God who never sleeps nor slumbers. He's a compassionate to those who followed him from city to city, those who got tired along their journey. This passage lets them know he's teaching, his teaching alone could not conquer their weariness. No, Jesus knew he had to comfort them. He had to stop and personally minister to each of them and remind them, I'm still here with you. I just got to remind them of the anointing and the refreshing of my spirit. I have to make sure they know I give my beloved sleep, that I give peace and comfort to those who grow weary. He knew by them being in his presence, they would renew their strength. He knew they were tired physically, some emotionally, some spiritually, and he went, didn't want them to give up. He wanted them to fight the good fight with faith and endurance. Jesus knew they were missing what they were missing. He knew their flesh was tired and their hearts were weary. He had done been where they had done been before. They'd lost sight of regardless how tired and weary they are, they are still anointed. But in their tiredness, their flesh is overcoming their faith. Your anointing is like an oil reserve that supplies your faith. But when your well runs dry, faith has lost its supply. And the only way you're going to have it restored is to have your tanks refilled. But so many people right now are driving on empty. And when you run out, you can't go forward anymore. You're shut down. That's when the enemy wears you out, tries to convince you you're through. Go ahead and quit. You ain't got what it takes. But not if I got anything to do with it. I'm going to stand in the gap for somebody tonight. I'm going to sound the alarm. I'm going to be nothing more than a reminder tonight that God's not through with any of you. Your problem is you have forgotten about the anointing and the power of it. You've been beat up, stepped on, lied on, talked about, worn down to the point you're fainted. It's time for you to have a God moment. And I'm expecting at any moment some folks to have a God moment. For some of you, it's been so long you don't even remember what it feels like to have a moment with God. I'm expecting at any moment God's going to begin to release a wave of his anointing upon this place. I'm talking about the kindness when it falls upon you, chains begin to be broken. Captives are set free. Causes folks to run to an altar, to pray through. The kind that makes your knees buckle. The kind that makes your knees shake. Causes you to take off running, to begin to dance, to speak in tongues. It causes our guests to even feel his presence. Come on. Now, getting close to closing here, I want, you, I want to go to 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52. Just through scripture. It reads, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead shall be raised and corrupt, and we shall be changed. Of course, this is talking about the second coming of Christ, saying any moment this could be all over, and we could be with Jesus. And you might wonder now, well, what's that got to do with the context of my message? I want to borrow a part of these scriptures to make a point how fast that God can change things. The scripture said, in the twinkling of an eye. God can change things, even if it's dead to life. Proving my point how important it is to have a God moment. Because in one moment, God can change you and your situation. He can change you from being weak to being strong, empty to being full, from being counted out to counted back in, from doubtful to faithful. 
Now, we all have had moments in our lives, good or bad, some we want to remember, some we'd like to forget. A moment represents a position of time. You even use the word moment to describe an appointment of expectation that you have because you say, well, now in a moment we're going to go eat. You're declaring expectation. You're declaring not too long from now. You're declaring the point of time you're expecting. Something's going to take place. In other words, you believe it's going to happen shortly. Think about that. At a certain time, as to say, at a certain moment, something's going to happen. Something you plan with an expected result. At that very second, something will transpire, transition, or expire. Something was birthed or was dead or showed up or came to be or ceased to be. I can go on and on about moments we've had. We've all had our moments. It's often said and true it is, but a moment in itself is different than a God moment. Man can produce or dictate when a moment might take place, but a God moment is only produced and dictated by God. It's like comparing natural to supernatural. A natural moment works within the realm of natural laws and produces a natural result, such as you plant corn, guess what? You get corn. When corn is produced, it happens through a natural process and produces natural results through the boundaries of natural time. But a God moment works within the realm of the supernatural, God's time, that can, be, can, that can exceed the natural laws, producing a supernatural result, and even supersedes the boundaries of time. Only God can produce those moments because he can do it exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. There was nothing created that he didn't create. He's a creator. Man is only an inventor. Man can only take what God has created to make something. For if there is something already there, man couldn't make anything. But yet God can take nothing and make something out of nothing. Saying that when you're down to nothing, it's only God who can create something to happen to give you something that man can never invent. That's when you end up having a God moment. To where you can't explain where it came from, how it happened, you just know it happened. That all you have is just a little bit of oil, a little flour in the barrel, and you made a cake to feed you and your son one last meal before you were going to die from hunger. And after you ate it, for some reason, you rechecked the barrel one last time, and it was full again. You don't know how it happened. You don't know when it happened. It happened so fast, it's like it came out of nowhere. I can't explain it other than it had to be God. You had a God moment. Oh, I know you had moments in your life that you only made, your, you, only made you expect a natural result. But I'm talking about a God moment where at certain moments, certain time, something happened that gave you an unexpected result. To where no matter how you try to explain it, it don't add up. You asked for a handful, but you got a barrel full. It was a moment where impossible became possible. There was no way you could have even seen or even changed your thought of how you seen and receiving it. No way you could ever believe that you even deserved it. It happened so fast it made your head spin one moment. At one moment, you were dying. The next moment, you were healed. One moment, you was broke, but the next moment, God blessed you. One moment, you was, le you was leaving. The next moment, he said he was staying. One moment, she said she would never forgive you. Yet the next moment, she walked in the door and said, I forgive you. One moment, they were closing the factory, but the next moment, they called you and said, come back to work tomorrow. One moment, the cabinets were bare and the kids were starving, but the next moment, someone knocked on your door carrying a bag of groceries and these are for you. God bless you. Come on, somebody. I've seen those moments. One moment he's going to kill yourself, but the next moment you heard a voice say, I love you, and you dropped the gun. One moment he said, I hate you. And the next moment he said, I'm sorry, but I still love you. See, by natural law, I should have died. I should have been divorced. I should have been died from the overdose. I, maybe I should have been crippled from the accident. But you had a God moment to where natural results were superseded 
without explanation. Matter of fact, with the result you got, you don't even care what they, if they can't be explained, you just care that it happened. And the only explanation you got is God do it. What the, what the scripture reveals about God that in a moment, God can change things. Like wham, you never seen it coming. At a time you weren't expecting, when you were fainted, when you thought it was over or it wasn't going to happen, that he wasn't going to show up. It happened on a night like tonight. How fast can God moments happen in the twinkling of an eye? How long has it been since you've taken time to have a moment with God? You see, I'm here to tell some folks who are just expecting natural results to your circumstances and conditions and afflictions and trials and tragedies that in one second, one moment with God, your situation, the result of your situation can change faster than you can blink your eye. That you can have a result you never expected. In a moment, at a certain time, your natural results can become supernatural results without explanation. The only explanation for John Sell sitting in this church tonight is God. He fought a lung disease for years. He was worn down. And I promise you, he had reached a point to where he was tired from the daily battle. Physically, emotionally, spiritually spent. But one day, and I'd say at the midnight hour, at an appointed time, he had a God moment. Natural elements were superseded by supernatural elements. I've come tonight to tell you, a God moment can take you from worry to relief, from fear to confidence, from not enough to more than enough, tired to being inspired, from death back to life. One moment Paul and Silas from jail, the next moment the walls of jail were falling down, they were free. One moment Daniel was staring at hungry lions in the face, next moment God shut their mouths. One moment Shadrach, Meshach went to fiery furnace, next moment God was in the fire with them. You see, in that moment, the natural result should have been one of great suffering. They should have burned up in horrible pain, early destroyed. But the moment God showed up, they had a supernatural result. Instead, they were running around in the fire, dancing, and came out with not even a stench of smoke on their clothes. Come on. In one moment, he promised you, if you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. I don't know what everyone here is going through, but I know we're all going through something. And I know that God has planned a moment for the fainted, the tired, the weary tonight to strengthen you, to encourage you, to refresh you. If musicians would come, our God is an experiential God. And what happens from this point on is between you and God. Whether you act up on, up on faith and respond to this call or not, it's going to be up to you. The word I've given you is to be used to encourage your faith. That just like that, God can change your heart, your perspective, your attitude, your situation, lift your burdens, give you rest, give you peace, give you strength. If he can change this old body from mortal to immortal in the twinkling of an eye, if any moment he can split the eastern sky and raise the dead and take us home to be a glory, he can change your situation in one moment with God. If we're going to be the Pentecostal church flowing in the spirit, making an impact in the last days, we're going to have to be refreshed and stay refreshed by having moments with God. Would you stand with me?
if Jesus had to have God moments on his journey on this earth to carry him through the trials and the struggles of his life, to carry him through his tiredness and his weariness, how much more should we have to? Well, now it's time for me to get out of the way because I came to tell you God's got a plan to have a moment with every single one of us. Because the truth is, we're all are weary. So tonight, I'm going to invite every single one of us in just a minute to come to this altar. I've just brought us to this place. That's all my assignment was. That we're at a moment. We're at a moment that God wants to minister to each and every one of you. Whether you're emotionally tired, physically tired, the job's killing you, spiritually tired, whatever's going in your life, God wants to strengthen the church. And I ask you, how long has it been since you stopped your busy schedule, stopped your day, and came to an altar and had a moment with God? Spend a moment with Him so God can do whatever it is He's wanting to do with you tonight. How long has it been since you grabbed your spouse's hand and walked with them to an altar and knelt and had a moment with God, praying over your family, asking him to help you with your issues in your family? How long has it been since you as an individual came to the altar and came just as you are whether you're tired and weary, emotionally, physically, or spiritually, and just came and said, because here's what God's ordained for tonight. This is God's time. He's here. His presence is here. He's calling you. I'm not calling you. To come to this altar tonight, find you a place, kneel down while they worship, and I'll spend a moment with God to let God minister to you. Would you